Jim Tincup, and we are broadcasting from Greenhouse's booth at HR Tech. I got Lori and Tracy with me, both experts. So we're going to have a lot of fun, and we're going to do a lot of really, really fast stuff. So, Lori, would you do us a favor and introduce yourself? Um, I'm Lori Rudiman, and I like cats. I mean, I like puppies, too, but it's, I like kittens most. That's not a like. That's a love. Yeah, that's an interview question for me. Yeah. Yes, I can't top that. So I'm Tracy Spannenberg. I like coffee and Disney, <laughs> all things Disney. Coffee, cats, Disney. I like cats. I like cats a lot, actually. I don't okay. have any. I have okay. chickens. Okay. 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 Favorite interview question. What's your favorite interview question of all time? Like favorite bad or favorite let's go with good? good. We're gonna, we'll do bad at one point, oh, but let's geez. do good. Your favorite. So I've been out of this for so long. So I've been out of the TA side of things for so long. My favorite interview question. Um, so I'll tell you mine. All right. Are you do that first? So because this, I was just completely blindsided with this, and I need to get better at thinking on this spot. Yeah, mine's. <laughs> it, we're all misunderstood. Okay. How are you misunderstood? That's, That's my favorite question. That's a good one. Yeah. Lori, do you have one. a favorite? Let's go Lori first. Yeah. I like. I actually like questions about animals because I think if you're not good to animals, you don't get a job. And so I like to ask about people's animals, and I like to be asked about my own because I also think it sets somebody up to be passionate about something that's low stakes, right. and it warms up the interview. So I'll often say, oh, do you have any animals at home? Hmm. And then they're like, oh, yeah, I have a cat, no, no, no. And you start to see their personality yeah. start to flow and shine. I don't mean to be on theme and double down on the animals here, but, I mean, it's a real easy win-win to just yep. kind of set a comfortable tone. I don't believe in interviewing someone to, like, bust them in a lie, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah, I want to get to know them as a human being. So, yeah. I love so, that. So what would you say about my chickens? Oh, I would say you have chickens. Tell me more. I don't have mm -hmm. any. Like, are they fun? Are they messy? They're yeah. adorable. Yeah. They're adorable. Are they expensive? They were like 50 cents a piece. So. I mean, expensive to maintain. <laughs> no. We, we had a coop made. That was very expensive, but they're adorable. And apparently they live much longer than we thought they were going to live. So. <laughs> I have this theory, though, that when you're in an interview and you're the interviewee, you just want to shut up and let the interviewer talk to you. Right. And the less you say, the more power you have as a prospective employee. So... Right. If somebody asked me a lot of questions about my chickens, I would be like, ask away. I'll answer all the questions yeah. about the chickens. Yeah. I'm winning right now. All right. Now that I've, I've settled in. So I, I like to have a conversation when I do more than, so here's the seven questions I'm right. going to ask you. I know that goes right. contrary to a lot of advice. But I like to know how people handle difficult uh, situations or handle conflict because... Right. At least in our organization, probably in every organization, there's so many conflict avoiders and you just can't really ever avoid it. So I want people to tell a story about how they, they handled something like that. I love that. I love that. We, we all have challenges. How'd you overcome that challenge? Exactly. Uh, but most people lie, right? Can we just say well, that? I mean, yeah. it's a game. We all have to collude with capitalism. So when people ask me for an example of a time that I dealt with conflict, I'll give them an example that is probably fake and mm -hmm. makes me look good. You know, 100%. like, oh, I worked with this one woman in procurement. Her name was Judy. And we constantly disagreed. You know, she questioned me. She questioned my authority. And you know what? I just had to have an honest conversation with her. We sat down. We got a cup of coffee. We talked about our perspectives. <laughs> and we came to a healthy compromise and really tried to understand the root of the conflict, but more importantly, how to move forward in a respectful way. <laughs> That's a skill, though. So that fake. person has some skills that might be applicable have in the corporate I, world. Have I not given that answer before in an interview? You know I have. 100%. You know. And 100%. it's like the, 
my interviewer nods and goes, yeah, yeah, okay, Judy in procurement, got it. I know a Judy, you know? <laughs> it's a relatable thing, and you just repeat that for the rest of your career, and you're golden. So that's why this interview stuff um, is good, but it can be like psychological warfare. 100%. What do you what do you currently think about pay gap? Uh, not pay gaps, but I love resume. them. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. The more the gap, the better. Right, right. No re resume gaps, gaps mm. in employment. You know, what's your take when you look at somebody's LinkedIn profile or resume? You see a gap. What does that say to you now? What do you care about now? So I think maybe 20 years ago I would have gone. What's that story? I right. think this year or this time and. I think it's unusual to not see kind some kind of gap. You There's so many people. It. It's unusual. I mean, if you've been, I've been at my company for eight years, so that makes sense. But if I've had to try to train our managers, like who would go, well, they've had three jobs in oh, yeah. five years. Yeah. You know, I don't want to talk to them. Are Did you ask them why? Are they going to stay? Right, right, yeah. right. Which. You know, that we have to reevaluate what we think about yeah. that, too. Are you going to create the environment for them to stay? Right, yeah. right. What about yourself, Lori? Well, you know, I like to say that I'm the kind of person who is not curious um, about skills gaps, but that's not true. I'm nosy. So whenever I see a gap on a resume, I kind of want to know the hot goss. Yeah, I want to know the story, yeah, yeah. you know? Just tell me the real stuff. Um, but I also know, based on, you know, my knowledge, skills, and abilities research, that a gap matters less and less. And to Tracy's point, I mean, we've been in a time of a pandemic, economic crises, jobs are, you know, disappearing, or people are getting laid off and then hired back again because they were laid off prematurely, right? Nothing mm -hmm. makes sense anymore is what I'm right. saying. But there still is this part of me, maybe as the HR lady, the recruiter, or just maybe as the human who wants to know, what's up with that six months? What's going on? So yeah, I'm, I'm curious, I'm a little nosy. But get curious. Ask. I mean, that's the the thing, right? Are you supposed to ask anymore? I think the answer is no. You're supposed to kind of move on, right? Mm. And just accept that there's a gap on a resume. But no, you gotta ask. I would ask. I gotta yeah. ask. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you know, I forgot to ask you your jobs. You just we just <laughs> ran right into this thing, Lori. Like, what do you do? Well, that's a good question. What do I do, or how do I earn money, right? Because yeah. I do a lot of stuff. But Those I'm a could be different. Correct. Correct. I mean, I'm a writer, a speaker, and I focus on work, labor, and the economy. But I'm also known for giving career advice. I'm known for just being America's HR lady, you know, like America's big sister. I got that going for me. But um, what I'm I'm truly known for, I think, is solving problems in the world of work, and that pays me in a lot of different forms. I love it. What about yourself, Trace? I'm the chief people officer of a company called the Granite Group, so I'm living and breathing this every day, all day. We're oh, a wholesale distributor, so yeah, it's. Um, yeah, it's been an interesting ride. You're actually in the foxhole. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Or used to be in the foxhole. She I got know. out of the foxhole. I'm like, I, I like myself too much. I don't want to do this work anymore. <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> Let's that's an off, do that's it. an off uh, mic discussion. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, anybody. We're not recording. You're no. good. Yeah, anybody in the world of talent, human resources, you know, hiring right now has got to be questioning why am I doing this? This has been an incredibly tough time. You know, there's a ramp up with hiring, and now there's a ramp off. Everybody's worried about their jobs within talent. And acquisition recruiters yep. are getting fired all the time and they're coming to me for career advice and career coaching which is what I offer and sometimes it's like it doesn't matter what the work is you got to start feeling better about yourself and so we go on that journey to make sure your body battery is right you've got interests outside of work you've got a multifaceted identity because by the way if you double down on work in any economy it makes you weird nobody likes that nobody wants to talk about your job no not at all yeah. 
in fact, no one cares about Joe. Nobody cares anymore. So Go to therapy. What's your current take on ghosting, either from the candidate's perspective and them ghosting, uh, hiring and managers and, and interviewers, or interviewers and hiring managers ghosting candidates? Yes, they're both bad. <laughs> so, you <laughs> know, I've talked to I've talked to people on both sides and both sides it's off the candidate didn't show up. The candidate didn't do this. The candidate didn't do that. And candidates are oh, am I banging on the <laughs> table? Sorry. I'm new at this. Um, the candidate didn't show up. The candidate I'm very emphatic about this. And then you talk to you talk to people who are job seekers um, and they feel the same, you know, they didn't get back to me. They didn't I have, I think, more, much more empathy for the job seekers because there's technology, there are processes, there's something, you know, people who interview, people who do anything really deserve a little bit more of a response, but there are things that we can do that are really basic that will give people some type of signal. Um, but, you know, in the kind of work that we do, we do experience a lot of people just not showing up, right. and um, that's part of the job. Right. Right. What's your bit? Well, you know, um, I'm part of Gen X, so we were a small co cohort, a small population. And I would say that there was ghosting then, but you didn't notice it as much because there were fewer people in the labor market. Now right. that we have more and more people, and frankly, there's going to be more just people born in this world, right? As the world gets hotter, flatter, more populous, <laughs> we're going to see ghosting more. But it doesn't mean that it's like the thing that people are doing. It's always been going on. And right. frankly... Capitalism is weird, and if you don't want to show up, don't show up. And if you're an employer and you're not interested in someone and you ghost, oh well. I mean, we should all kind of grow up about it. And I think it's a little bit much to do about nothing. Now, employers hate it when I say that, and candidates hate I it when it. I say it. But I'm like, <laughs> this is no big deal. Grow up. Be emotionally regulated and move on to the next thing. Yeah. I've got a methodology with job seekers. We do the 666 methodology of That's responding. devilish. It is, and I like it that way because people remember it. So you make a point of contact and you don't hear anything. You wait six days. That's six Done. days. And then six days after that. And then the final six-day outreach is, you know, 18 days later. And you're like, listen, I don't expect to hear from you. I know you're busy, but if this opens up again, I'd love to hear from you. And sometimes that third, sixth mm. outreach right. is the one that gets attention. Right. So six, six, I'm six. leaving but you're cool, yeah, whatever. and if things change, holler. You got my number, you got my digits. I love that, Yeah, that is great. I'm not sure about the 666, I'm gonna run with that, I'm gonna think about that a little <laughs> like bit. You're never gonna forget it. As a practicing mm -hmm. Catholic, I yeah, uh, yeah, might yeah. struggle with that a bit, yeah. but it's okay, it's okay. okay. Right. It's, it is memorable. Well, and I write about it in my book, Betting on You, which I just have to plug right now. As so you should. A whole... Do you have a new book coming out? In 2025, after really? the election, it's what? called Corporate Drinker. 2024 or five? 2025. Oh, this could be wow. in 2025. Okay. It's going to be spring of 2025 okay. after okay. the inauguration. Okay, okay. so we're yeah, you're, we got you're, a little bit of time. We got some. <laughs> so, but I'm collecting corporate drinking stories and really talking about mm -hmm. how to survive and thrive in what is still these days a boozy world of work. I 100%. mean, people orient people. You know, go on interviews and they're after the interview, they're like, "I need to get a drink," right? Or you finally get that job and the team comes Once together. Once to get a drink. Right, right, right. Yeah. And so are there other ways to do this if we really believe in inclusion and belonging? So right. I'm fascinated by that. I don't drink and so that I I have, I haven't for probably 16 years, so 
just being aware of what's going on in the world and here in other places and just how deep that the culture is. How many times have been sent wine? Yeah. Um, oh, yes. Send so, it this way. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I drink everything. I'm good. Yeah. Okay, I'll just send it to you. Easy. Send it yeah, on to yeah. the it's funny for me is when people say, you know, I had a bad experience with rum when I was 18, so I don't, I don't drink rum anymore. I'm like, really? Quitters? <laughs> Come on. That's, that's the interview question. Have you ever had a bad experience with alcohol and did you quit it? <laughs> Never quit. You just go right back to it. I'm sorry. Double down on the misery. Last question is worst interview experience. Uh, and it could be you personally or you being in the midst of it. Lori knows this story. I was interviewing a project manager once, and it had really already been hired by my team, and I was just doing the last interview. And I really wasn't paying attention to what the woman was saying, so I was asking esoteric questions, like, if you were a favorite animal, why would you pick that animal? Mm. Stuff like that. She kept wanting me to look at her her project notebook. She had a bunch of all these great projects, which was wonderful. And uh, I just wasn't listening to it, wasn't paying attention, wasn't empathetic, didn't care. And... Uh, at one point, she pushes the notebook over to me on the other side of the table, and a chair had moved out from behind her. So when she goes to sit down, <gasps> she face plants on the table, and her nose explodes. Oh, no. So it's like a Quentin Tarantino movie. Like, blood is going everywhere, and I froze. Of like, course. I literally froze. So I, like, got her notebook, and I just started looking at the notebook. <laughs> Completely froze. So first of all, I did everything wrong. Yeah. I wasn't paying mm -hmm. attention to her. I wasn't just asking her questions. I wasn't in that moment. And when something bad happened, I should have been there for her. Yeah. Wasn't for so like. Yeah, that that's sucks. all me, yeah. and that was all horrible. Uh, but I tell that story because you know, again, it happened. Yeah. Wait, no, it's on her for having a soft nose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, and she, I'm terrible. And she and she wasn't hired. But yeah. you know, neither here, neither here nor there. <laughs> Tracy, oh, How could I possibly follow up? But two real quick stories where I was interviewing years ago, um, one, both for heads of HR roles. One of them, nothing dramatic, but just kind of cemented what I wanted in my head in a, a somebody, in the CEO, somebody I'd report to. Um, I had asked, the, it was a manufacturing environment, I asked the CEO, so how often do you go out in the floor and he'd been there maybe three years i've never been out on the floor <laughs> oh. okay that's where the peons are yeah. see, see you later and then the other was um was interviewing with the ceo and this was pretty much a lock and it was the exiting chro's like i want you to take over for me you know go in and like all right and and i knew that they were making some changes in the leadership team and and thought that i could sort of convince them they were moving the chro to report to the coo instead of the ceo and so I asked the CEO about that, and he's like, well, our culture's all set, so, you know, I don't need to worry about this person, so they're going to report to the CEO. And I, I, we, I just sort of sat there, and he's like, well, is this a need or a want? I'm like, it's a, it's a need, you know, and your culture's definitely not all set. So I, we kind of left amicably, and, and they moved on. But it was just those two things kind of helped teach me what I really wanted. I don't know. You got a horror story. Yeah, that's that's Come super on boring. No, you got something it's more not at all. I mean, it's very mature and responsible. I will tell you. Um, I wrote about this in my book, Betting on You, when I interviewed at Pfizer. The uh, the guy who reported to the chief people officer, Pfizer, was this real ball-breaking ex-military yeah, kind of yeah. guy, yeah, oh, yeah. you know, and he wanted to prove his worth. And he said, "We're going to make you an offer. A little junior for me, but we're going to do it." 
And he said, um, but before we do it, I gotta tell you something. If you work for me and you make a mistake and you don't tell me, I'm gonna rip your head off and S down your throat. Okay, okay. <laughs> and then he said, um, okay, so what's it gonna take for you to take this job? And I said, a lot of money. Yeah. And they gave it to me. <laughs> and it was miserable. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm going to take the S down the throat. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so I did it. I put in my time, and here I am today. <laughs> so great. I'm so glad that y'all came by. I know y'all got 8,000 things going on. I appreciate both of you coming by and being on the podcast. We're big Thank fans. You Thank, Thank you. Yes, huge fan. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Until next time. Wow.